Hi there. Today is a very special day for us for three main reasons. One is this brand new episode of our show we're making for you right now. The other is our brilliant guest. And the third reason is the fact that we finally decided to change the name of this podcast channel. The new name is IESP, which stands for the Institute of English Studies Podcast. I'm sure you'll agree that this name, this new name is better. It's simple, it's catchy, and it is what it is. The Institute of English Studies Podcast, the IESP. And now, to some really great stuff, the interview. It is often said that the humanities in general, and the literary studies in particular, have very little to do with the real world. Academics and scholars are claimed to stoop over books or computers, more often these days, inherently oblivious to the problems and concerns of their fellow beings. They are ruminating on books few people know about, and churning out dissertations about them that even fewer people will ever care to read. You might be familiar with the phrase ivory tower, which traditionally stands for the intellectual pursuits divorced from everyday life and is frequently used in a derogatory way to denote the humanities. However, these claims are simply not true. The humanities have always had a very practical side, and the so-called environmental or eco-criticism is the latest in a relatively long, long way of academic attempts at combining theory and practice. So its ambitious scientific project includes a fresh look at the relationship between the human and the non-human world through a revision of culture in general and literature in particular. Hooked up? With me to discuss eco-criticism is Yulia Fedorchuk, Associate Professor in the Institute of English Studies at the University of Warsaw and a co-founder of the School of Eco-Poetics. An expert in 20th century American poetry and literary theory, she's also a poetry and fiction writer, a translator, laureate of numerous prestigious literary words. Her latest novel, Podsłońcem, was published in 2020 by Wydawnictwo Literackie to a considerable critical acclaim. I'm Bartosz Tostański. This is is IESP, an official Institute of English Studies podcast channel. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Good morning. Good morning. Um, We are meeting at a very special time uh, for at least two reasons. The first reason is that... uh, well, it's the last Monday of March, and we are well into the springtime. Uh, my crocuses are in full bloom. Uh, my irises and hyacinths all but. Uh, and the earth is cracking at the surface. Uh, clearly, it suggests that life is uh, getting up. Um, but uh, uh, not everybody is so happy about this. Uh, one of my favorite poems poems wasteland begins with april is the cruelest month breeding lilacs out of the dead land mixing memory and desire stirring dull roots with spring rain uh 
do you think that Elliot was overlooking the magic of early springtime? Well, uh, no, no, I don't think so. Um, you have quoted the very beginning of the wasteland, which is which is which is widely considered as one of the greatest poems of the 20th century, oh, definitely yes. the greatest poem of early 20th century. That's But you have sure. to think about the moment when that poem, um, when that poem was written. It was written after the First World War. And at the time, a lot of writers and poets had a feeling that, um, that the world is pretty much um, going to pieces right they felt that uh this unprecedented catastrophe of the first world war uh told us something about ourselves and about human life that is quite unbearable and in the context of that new knowledge uh in the context of uh, all the corpses all the dead people um who who lost their lives in the first world war i think uh Elliot when he looked at non-human nature, at more than human nature, he thought there was something extremely cruel about the fact that the world was going on as usual, that nature was, was going on as usual in spite of that human catastrophe. I think that's how I read that beginning, right? That this life, that this new life, new, new, new living things coming out, um, coming out of the ground in which so many new dead bodies are buried that there is a kind of there's a kind of cruelty inhuman cruelty cruelty about those processes of life of course our perspective is very very different from from Elliot yeah uh, you mentioned the uh, let's say the human time and the uh, let's say the earthly time um, the time of the seasons and uh, also um, the other reason um, of the special quality of this time I mentioned at the beginning is that uh, it's uh, the anniversary of the lockdown due to the pandemic of COVID-19. Um, and yes, uh, what was this like? What, what was this year like for you? The year of lockdown, the year of pandemic? Well, uh, at, at the beginning, it was kind of okay. That first spring, my my approach was that of, I was sort of goal-oriented and project-oriented. So I thought, okay, so we have this situation and we need to understand what's happening and we need to deal with it and we need to somehow survive and we need to maybe uh, try to draw some conclusions because uh, I am strongly convinced that um, the causes of what's happening is the environmental destruction and that's something that Elliot couldn't think about a hundred years ago so when he thought about the seasons when he thought about the spring which which inevitably comes even after the war when I said that's no longer our perspective I said this because we can't for our our situation is even more difficult because we can't be sure of the seasons right we can't be sure of this of this um of this universal uh, uh natural time right which was uh, the basic uh, point of reference for 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 Elliot so I am really I am completely convinced that what's happening is a question of environmental destruction so at at the beginning I thought okay at least this is becoming real at least at least it is no longer possible to pretend that our civilization that this um 
corporate capitalism can go on uh, indefinitely, right? Uh, but that's 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 is very it's very difficult to maintain that sort of optimism a year later because it's very clear that that uh, corporate capitalism is doing quite well, whereas the non-human world is not not yeah. not not doing so not doing so great. And we, the individual people, the individual consumers, are paying the price as always because that's how it works, right? Whether whether we take environmental destruction or, or whether we take the pandemic now. Uh, the big the big players are, are are safe right because that's the 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 the, the basic doctrine of, of 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 our of our world whereas it's the the individual bodies human and and non-human bodies who always who who, who bear the costs of, of what's happening so right now i have to say um um the fundamental my fundamental experience my fundamental sentiment in that is that of instead of exhaustion and a year of online teaching mm-hmm. um, has taken its toll. I, I really miss my students and the energy of a classroom. I think it's a huge deprivation. And mm-hmm. I think the psychological consequences of, of this deprivation are still to be understood. Yeah, sure. All right. Um, yeah, the environment, um, the, uh, the issue the subject of environment is uh, uh, very significant for you. Uh, you were at the forefront of uh, of what is called the environmental um, literary theory of environmental humanities, also called eco-criticism or eco-poetics. Um, could you please uh, briefly explain what is eco-poetics or whatever and what are its principles? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's start maybe with eco-criticism, because eco-criticism is an academic discipline, it's easier to explain, right? and it's actually very easy to explain. So eco-criticism, just as any other thematic criticism, like for instance, feminist criticism or Marxist criticism, foregrounds a certain theme, um, while in the case of, let's say, feminist criticism, the point is to look at the question of gender, um, at the at the role of gender in how literature gets created, in how it gets read, in at the role of at the role of gender within the text. Um, so it foregrounds the question of gender and the question of femininity. Ecocriticism foregrounds the question of of the more than human world and especially of the relationship between humans and their environments as they are represented in literature and other texts of culture, right? Because it's not limited to literature, it's also about film, about all all, all aspects of, of, of contemporary culture. So the definition is very simple. It's a kind of approach. It's a kind of critical approach um, which foregrounds the, the, the question of of our human place within the modern human world as it is represented in uh, in in the texts of our of our culture All right. so fundamentally ecocriticism is discourse analysis because we look at texts at, at various kinds of texts and we try to see the ways in which these texts both traditional and modern in which they figure this relationship between humans and the modern human world, right? And it's very easy to see that um, 
Western, what is called Western culture, uh, has certain very deeply rooted assumptions about the very special role of human beings, right? So our culture is extremely anthropocentric. It's grounded in the conviction that humans are very special and that they are, that the world, that they own the world, so to speak, right? Another important aspect of the Western imagination is what is called the instrumental reason. So the valorization of of, uh, a certain epistemology, epistemology connected with, with reason and with a kind of objectifying attitude towards the non-human world right so we find that we find these elements in our western way of thinking at the same time um, there is a multitude of literary texts and uh, in my opinion these are very often poems where that anthropocentric instrumental approach to non-human nature is questioned and you find that in po- I mean, you find that in all kinds of texts. But I think, especially in poets, in 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 poetry, there's been this intuition that that anthropocentric instrumental treatment of of non-humans, of other beings on this planet, is a mistake. So definitely, you find uh, you find the questioning of anthropocentrism in poets such as Blake, William Blake, or or in English romantic other English romantic poets like Wordsworth. Um, and you find it in, 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 in modernist poets, maybe not so much in T.S. Eliot, but definitely in Ezra Pound, Marianne Moore, and then, of course, post-war poetry, the whole tradition of, of um, objectivist poetry is very much sort of places the envir- what is called the environment at the center rather than the human ego. And then it goes on and on until... Uh, 21st century, which is very special because the 21st century is the moment when people at large and also poets and artists are becoming aware of what is called the Anthropocene, right? So this new epoch in the history of the planet, which is, which is dominated by, human, by the human impact, by the human intervention. And so it is my theory or my intuition that Poetry of the Anthropocene is a new kind of poetry because it's it's um, in many cases the poets are very consciously mm-hmm. engaging in a debate, very consciously mm-hmm. addressing yeah. this issue of the environmental destruction and of what language can do, what our metaphors can do to somehow address this situation adequately. Right. It's often said that the environmental crisis is is primarily the crisis of the imagination. This is a sentence very often quoted, which comes from uh, one of the books by Lawrence Buell, a critic who initiated ecocriticism as an academic discipline. So if the environmental crisis is the crisis of the imagination, I think it's quite proper that you find an attempt to somehow address this crisis in, in poetry, which which works with metaphors, which works with 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 the imagination or, or on a very deep level which which is very careful yeah. about the use of language which looks at how we use words yeah. and and so on and so forth right so so ecocriticism is this really broad question of of how all kinds of texts represent our thinking about about the environment and ourselves within it whereas ecopoetics is a more more narrow sort of field mm-hmm. 
uh, which, uh, which I am trying to define as, as a kind of practice which goes beyond the academic discipline of, of eco-criticism into an investigation of the possibility of homemaking on the earth the possibility of homemaking on the earth which is not based on instrumental reason this instrumentality which is not based on the objectification of the modern human world and the treatment of the modern human world as resources right but which which figures this relationship between ourselves and other beings and processes on on the planet in a in a different way, right? So ecopoetics, I would define ecopoetics as a as a practice. It's not just about writing. It's not just about the about analyzing texts, but as a practice in which this question of poiesis <laughs> comes to the um, yeah. foreground. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, speaking of practice, uh, um, in the uh, in the school of ecopoetics, that the, the the one that you were a co-founder of, a very important. Uh, facets uh, of the school is uh, walking around, sleeping under under the tent. Uh, it's it's a very sort of unorthodox approach to school and education. Um, how important is this? You no, know, uh, this sort of uh, physical experience of um, the world around in the whole process of eco education. So to speak. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think it's. I think it's fundamental, right? So that's what we think because we we founded the school of eco poetics with the Polish um, nonfiction writer, uh, outstanding outstanding writer and and um, and my friend Philip Springer, and so the um, the assumptions uh, that we clearly share. Um, the assumption that we clearly share is that is that um, we have to look at what it means to learn. We have to look at what it means to know and understand, mm-hmm. right? Because the ways in which the ways in which mainstream, let's say, education system treats knowledge and the transmission of knowledge and the the the, the building of competence. There's something fundamentally wrong with that, right? Because people know things in theory and it like doesn't really become, it never really becomes um, or it rarely becomes a kind of embodied knowledge that would that would change lives and that would change attitudes. Mm-hmm. So so the school of ecopoetics is 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 an experiment, right? We are now running the first edition. And you asked me about the pandemic at the beginning. So of course the pandemic ruined a lot of our plans. We had to change we had to change our plans and work around lockdowns and and it was difficult, but at the same time, you know, the the obstacles can also force you to become even more creative. Yeah, yeah, so sure, in this sense, exactly. we try to we try to make we try to use the difficulties to actually create, you know, a lively response to 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 what's 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 happening. So so, but we didn't predict this, right? When we were planning the the, the curriculum of the school, we ha- we couldn't have possibly known that uh, that that's what that's what would that's what would happen. But but going back to uh, to, to to your question, going out going out and actually being in the world and being in the world together and doing things together and sharing responsibilities 
uh, this sort of, you know, acting together, um, making things together. Uh, this is, it's a fundamental, fundamental aspect of what we're trying to do in the School of Eagle Poetics and actually going to place, going places, talking to local people, um, trying to experience the world in different non-schematic ways. Uh, even when we couldn't meet because of strict lockdowns and we could only meet on Zoom, we would uh, very often invent uh, experiments on, or exercises that we would all do in our um, environments, in our immediate environments, uh, that would involve experience and not just, you know, talking about talking about experiences, not just not just theoretical knowledge. So this practical sort of hands-on experience of the world we think is 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 fundamental yeah it's pretty exciting too uh, and so different from the traditional way of teaching and especially right now when we uh mm. we are when we are literally locked down in yes, our rooms exactly and yes, yes. Uh, we have no contact with each other and the world around or at least yeah. in a very limited way okay yes, yes. i think the world is uh, calling you um sorry yes I, I was hoping maybe you don't hear it but sorry i need to okay let me let me just uh okay see no problem what that was um okay uh professor uh i i think uh, uh I, i won't uh take up any more of your time thank you very much thank you uh, and uh, i hope well one, one last question how about this year's school of ecopoetics is it is it, is it on or are yes, you yes it's on It's on. It's on. The, we had a few, like we had a few sessions where, where, when we could meet. Um, we had a few sessions which were basically held on Zoom, but with these uh, tasks that we would give one another that we had to do in our in our immediate surroundings, having to do with sort of non uh, non automatic ways of responding to our immediate environment um, and we're hoping we can meet again in april and 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 in may but yes we're trying to we're trying to, right. to, to okay so I, I i keep my fingers crossed for it to come to fruition uh, it's a very exciting thing and i'm very happy that we could talk about uh for a short while about environment humanities and the practice thank you very much thank you Huge thanks to Professor Fedorchuk for talking about eco-criticism. I'm sure you might now be apt to look at culture and literature from a new eco-critical perspective. If not, please check out Professor Fedorchuk's latest introduction to eco-criticism, Cyborg w Ogrodzie, or Inne Możliwości, interviews with American poets on poetry, ecology, and politics. My thanks also go to my friends from Fjase, whose song Prince E. Bowie you can hear in the background, and to Robert Zmijewski, as always, for his technical support. Finally, and most importantly, thank you for listening to us wherever or whenever you are. Please tell your friends about ISP if you like our show. And take care. Goodbye.